Welcome back to the Harmonica Brothers Variety Show. I'm Sam. I'm Matt. And I'm Kyan. Uh, today on the podcast, we're a little bit of WandaVision discussion, uh, a little bit of, you know, Avatar Studios discussion, Nickelodeon Studios. Avatar Studios on Nickelodeon discussion. Uh, and then we're going to be diving into our Fan Expectations Marvel episode. Uh, probably a shorter episode. Let's but hope. My, let's hope. Uh, my first thing I wanted to talk about, and we silenced ourselves right before the podcast started recording, because I wanted to bring up the Avatar Studios thing, and I think it's awesome, you know, with all the news that's been coming out of the the Netflix show, uh, really uh, souring a lot of, like, longtime Avatar fans, all, all Avatar fans, really. I haven't seen anyone who's not soured by the mm -hmm. sort of news that we about it uh, out of the Netflix show, and after, especially after Brian and Mike left. I am hopeful for this Avatar Studios thing at Nickelodeon. More animated shows, you know. Animation is the the greatest format in the history of entertainment, in my opinion. And uh, you know, the two shows, Avatar and Legend of Korra, are both phenomenal. But Kaim disagrees with me. Okay, don't don't set it up like that. That's not cool, dude. I'm not disagreeing that they're not great shows because that, that made it sound like I'm disagreeing they are great shows. They're phenomenal shows. They are some of the best animation to come out this decade, potentially this century, considering the, the depth of story that was created and the world that was built. Let's not spoil it by trying to just leech more off of this property let it rest let it let it be it the thing it was meant to be stop stop being vultures and picking at a dead at the at the carcass of this thing you love let it rest hard hard disagree so from avatar one to avatar Korra, that's ten thousand years of history if we don't even go beyond Korra. We focus on like pre-Roku or like pre-Kiyoshi, pre-Kuruk, back to and the Avatar who came after Wan. In though in that fucking nine hundred and uh, nine thousand eight hundred and twenty year history, don't want to know any of it. You are wrong. Shut your whore face. You know why what? I'm right. You know why I'm right because why? and here, Matt, have you watched? Have you watched any Avatar? I have not. So I don't okay. have any feelings on this. I don't have any feelings on this specifically, That's but I will say that in my experience, um, when studios um, have tried to go back to existing uh, franchises and add to them, I have not been impressed. I think when they returned to do the X-Files, it ruined Thank the X-Files. I, I think my feelings on the sequel trilogy are pretty clear. So yes, Thank if you. I was a fan of Avatar and, and The Legend of Korra, I would be and I'm concerned about what, what they plan to do when they go back to that world. And the reason I'm asking Matt is because he is a, let's be honest, you're a consistency snob. Yes. I'm a shonen snob. Sam, you're a history snob. I'm a consistent, uh, and, but uh, yeah, Matt, you're a consistency snob. And I would love to see how Matt would intake this show and and I'm curious whether or not he would revile the idea that new creators of the show, fan stories, essentially, if it's not the original two, go back and 
start writing history and then oh no there's a history flub and so, something has to get retconned or some new bogus stories have to start coming i don't want to see that none of that i don't want to see none of that i'm happy like firefly firefly didn't get any extra attention after serenity and people still love it if we got more firefly people would have gotten sick of it and it would have lost its cult status no. um, oh, what okay. other great shows got cancelled um and and stayed canceled. Let's let's leave Avatar there, and let's move on to something new. Let's not rehash the same old thing. Uh, hard, again, you're I I get your point. I do, but first of all, Avatar was not, Avatar: Legend of Korra ended. They were not canceled. Important distinction. Uh, okay, second, fair point. Second, in addition to a, it, not they're not being canceled. They are animation. I'd also say they made a sequel show already 10 years after the fact and they didn't have to retcon. They didn't have to mess with continuity, nothing like that. And you are essentially not rehashing story. If you're utilizing, it's called the, if you're calling it the avatar universe or whatever you want to call it, maybe it shouldn't be called that because if you are just making more stories in the backdrop of the, the world that has been created, in Avatar: Last Airbender and The Legend of Korra, that's not a bad thing, right? If that if you, if you, uh, what they are doing isn't recasting like uh, Batman ten years later and making the Batman Begins movies. That's not what's happening. That's what's happening with Netflix, with the Netflix show. They're changing things and messing with it, and it's and people are not happy about where it's going, and but we're still going to fucking watch it in the hopes that it is good. And it is a good adaptation, but it probably won't be nearly as good as the original cartoon. What they are doing is like, oh, we're going to make this thing uh, in a place called Coast City with starring a new Green Lantern that isn't Alan Scott, but it's in the same universe as, you know, Barry Allen, The Flash and Superman. And it's on this. It's all in the same America as Metropolis, Central City and Gotham. And you, you said it yourself, and, Sam. It wasn't canceled. It finished. It's but they're not doing the same thing. They're not rehashing the story. They're not they're you're saying in ten in I, I, our, I, yeah, yeah, I agree with you. A, they're expanding the universe. There yes, exactly. And I don't think and I think that's a good thing. There's a reason that not every that er, that every World War II movie is the same movie. Like still, World War II movies are made ad nauseum. They should stop making Batman movies, is what they should do. Yeah. You know? And Spider-Man. Well, no, Tom Holland is such a so adorable. We love him. Um, he's the, he's the worst Spider-Man. What? He's the worst Spider-Man. Tom Holland? Yes. You're drunk oh, on stupidity. You're yeah, drunk I'm, on I, stupidity is what you are. I, I, I feel that Tom Holland is the best uh, Spider-Man. At least he's I've the Oliver Coypel Spider-Man. He's, he's the best Peter Parker. He's not the best Spider-Man. Oh, shut, Andrew, the, shut, Andrew, shut up. Shut Andrew, up. Andrew Garfield is the best Spider-Man. You know why? Because he's a blue-collar scientist. You get guerrilla science, and he does all he does the work himself. What what did Spider-Man, what did Peter in the MCU really do? He made the web fluid, but then yeah. like now he just relies on like it to be mass-produced by Tony Stark. He didn't make either any of his suits. Nick Fury made some, and you know, it was all like Tony's technology that made all the others. Uh, he like designed it, red and blue power, red and blue color scheme. That's the extent of his work. I'm okay with that. Um, also, why does he go to a science school? They fuck. I have my a whole other diatribe about Flash. 
Okay, so we'll get into that on, on Marvel expectations discussion. Uh, what was the other thing you wanted to to talk about? No, now I'm on this Avatar thing. <laughs> <laughs> it would be, I, you're so wrong. I like, you're so wrong, but I, well, I feel I'm, I'm I was going to say, um, kind of, because uh, you brought up how important continuity is to me. I mean, yes, it is important, but even if they made changes to, like, if they were to, place this these new series in that 10,000 year gap which you said exists between uh, Avatar and The Legend of Korra. I mean, you can make changes to the history as long as you have reasonable sensible ways of of retconning it or if the, and or if the story is really good. It's like it's like we said um when we talked about The Mandalorian. Yes, Luke shows up dressed exactly the way he did at the end of Return of the Jedi and continuity-wise it makes no sense cuz it's like 5 years later. But it was so awesome, you know. It doesn't it didn't matter. matter. Yeah. Okay. I, I, yeah, and I think that not denying that, they can't be cool. Just saying, I don't want to take the risk. And it's hard for me to really take your argument about Firefly because I watched two episodes and got bored with it. Wow. It, it felt like first of all, it felt like a Battlestar Galactica ripoff, even though it came before, like the bet, like the newer <laughs> Battlestar Galactica. It was boring and cyclical and episodic and like you know settle down yeah. millennial uh yeah <laughs> you're gonna you're gonna be a lot of our fans we're gonna like yeah, like uh, like it got canceled like that's that's the difference between a good show yeah. if it was good it people would have watched it and it wouldn't have gotten canceled no it was <laughs> a phenomenal show that I guess the network didn't understand where they were going with it, and yeah, I it's think, the network fault. Sure. And it didn't. It well, didn't follow. It didn't follow the, the the Star Trek slash Star Wars um, formula. So for a sci-fi show to do some of the stuff they were doing, it didn't make sense to them. No, because Star Trek is a star is a is a television program. It's not a movie series. Star Trek is a is explicit, yeah. is a tele, is works best on TV, and yet they keep uh, trying to make movies. I still failed. It's boring. It yep. was a boring show, and like, ooh, a space western. You want a space western? Watch Star Wars. Like the original Star Wars is a space western. Fighting words, people. Fighting words. And a samurai movie. Star Wars is all the best things: science fiction, samurais, and cowboys. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say that the like fact that it was can Firefly was canceled. You know, doesn't necessarily mean people weren't watching it. I think it also depends on like what what network it, it was on. Mm -hmm. Wasn't it on like Fox or something? I think they, they they demand pretty high ratings. I mean, for another channel, the number of people watching it may have been satisfactory, but yeah, but just major network. You know, you know, maybe it didn't get uh, quite the numbers uh, that that network was expecting. I've never watched it, but I hear. I mean. I would, I would, give it a chance, guys. Give it a chance, and then watch Serenity right after. Because I saw Serenity in in the in theaters. Because a friend of mine was a huge Whedon fan and loved um, he loved uh, Firefly and everything. So I watched it with him, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, it's a cool movie." He's like, "No, nah, you don't get it because you never watch the show. You watch the show and watch the movie." And I did that, and it was it really, really was much better. Yeah, and okay. I do recommend uh, it. I may have at one point been convinced to watch something, but I, I'm treating everything Joss Whedon has touched with the 10-foot pole now. I don't blame you 
to be honest. It's it is that's not that's not my argument behind why a show yeah. is good or bad. Like he's made good things. I don't think I would I'd be, you know, idiotic to say otherwise. I think he's made more bad things than good things or or rather my personal enjoyment. Um, but I don't think the Firefly argument is really has any bearing when it comes to Avatar. I think I think I think if you were to make a successful argument for why what they're doing shouldn't be done is why are you recasting Spider-Man? Why not focus on another hero? Or why are you doing Peter Parker Spider-Man again when you could do so many Miles. other Spider-Man? Yeah. Miles or is my chief one or Peter B. Parker and they do something really crazy and outside the box or they do like they do some time travel shit and they fucking bring in Miguel O'Hara. Dude, right. you know who'd be um, awesome? Friggin' Mayday Parker uh, from Spider Girl. She was a phenomenal character. Do you guys remember that? Going. Huh? No, 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 no. Mayday Parker was different. That was uh, in that timeline. Uh, Peter loses a leg, becomes a forensic scientist with the police department while training his daughter with Mary Jane May Parker uh, how to be the new Spider Girl. And yeah. the characters and the, the way the, the Marvel Universe develops in that timeline was so much fun. Just mm -hmm. real yeah. fun they, writing. They could have learned they could learn a lot from because the Marvel Universe, I think, has more in common the MCU has more in common with like the ultimate comics than it does with like six one six. And Honestly, if they killed off P Peter Parker at the end of the next Spider-Man movie, I think that would be a great that would be great for the storytelling. I think and Holland's then, contract is probably going to be stickier than that. Yeah, I see your spider <laughs> pun. But I think I think it would be an awesome one. Or they, they, next one, they bring in the Sinister Six. The one after that, they kill him off. When the Sinister Six, like, and they kill him off like an hour into the movie. But they've introduced Miles in, the, in this upcoming film. Um, that's what I want, personally. But, like, yeah, I think, but I think my point being... Ultimately, when it comes back, when it comes to Avatar, is that a way to dissuade me from my line of thinking? Mm -hmm. Is uh, would be to like say you don't need to go back to the universe, and to to a certain degree, you are right. But I like you've made this world so big, and you've put so much history and nuance into the world, you know, and like how they do think they get into topics like religious and violent extremism and mm -hmm. fascism and ethno they get into ethno nationalism in a kids show in the mid 2000s yeah and i think doing that uh you know sort of going around and doing all these different topics there are other things for them to explore especially now nowadays and i think avatar would be a great medium for that the avatar universe would be a great medium for that yeah kind of building what on on what you said I think it depends on why you're going back to a particular universe. If you're going back because you have something new to say, which they may very well may, may, may have something new to say. That's one thing. I think if you're going back just because you're like, well, we can make a quick buck uh, on this because it's popular. And so let's just tell more stories there for the sake of it. Then I think that's when you run into trouble. Agreed. They, but yeah. The reason I don't think that way is because they've said we could, we were, we were told we could make, four five four or five more seasons of avatar when it was coming out we couldn't make more seasons online of cora or following cora years later um like years after the, the show had originally aired um because nickelodeon's opinions had changed about 
you know, what the what Mike and Brian wanted to show in the show, right? Yeah. And now they can because Nickelodeon's, I think I believe Nickelodeon's leadership got overhauled a couple of years back. And now like they they want to make the sort of they want to go back to that sort of boundary pushing that Mike and Brian, in my mind, as someone who was watching these as a kid, for the audience, I was in the audience they were made for mm -hmm. when they were made. So as for me, uh, I'd love that, not just for the wistfulness, but because don't make it for someone who loved it when it was coming out. Make it for someone who's like your targeted audience for all of it. Makes Make it for someone who's between the ages of like eight and 16, not for a 24-year-old man. Now, this goes back to our one of our earlier conversations on something like Star Wars and fan fiction. Um, does it become fan fiction? Would this, would it, do you, would you consider it fan fiction if a new creator was handling it? And two, um, if you were not like, how does, how does the quote unquote, you're alienating the original audience argument play into this or does it play into it at all? I, Matt, I, well, I Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask. So, Sam, you're saying that they should still make it for that same target audience that the original series was for. You don't think they should cater to people your age who grew up with it and are now older and then. Well, no, no, because it's a kid's show. But the fact that I enjoy it, though, that I got my dad to watch an episode like recently when I saw him last Christmas. So I guess my I, question was, do you think that these kind of shows and movies should evolve and and change? So maybe I should like like rejigger my argument because maybe they weren't made, but they sort of like they were made to it was made to be a kids show, but maybe it wasn't targeted towards kids. That I don't know. So maybe I should like I'll redact what I just said. I will say though, keeping it with the the same aura, the same tone, it is a kids show. It has sort of cutesy elements, it's animated, it's the protagonists are kids, you know. Uh, best kids shows protagonists are kids. You know that's they why young adult novels are mostly. That's yeah. That's why young adult novels are popular with young adults, right? That's why like when like uh, it, what's it called was uh, Hunger Games was sort of out out aging me, under aging me a little bit. Sorry, as it was coming out, and already I was like meh. But I could enjoy the Maze Runner because it was YA, but I was only a, a few years older than the protagonist, and the protagonist of the Maze Runner was a guy. So maybe and so it was a little easier for me to you know, enjoy. Like when my sister was reading Divergent when it was coming out, it's the same thing. She was enjoying it because she used to be able to see herself. And that's why Avatar is popular with kids. That's why Legend of Korra is popular with kids, but it's more popular with like young adults because like mm -hmm. the protagonists are late teens, early 20s. Make it however you want to make it. Uh, tar you're not, I don't think the show was targeted specifically to young, to children, but it was made with like, we believe children will be the majority of our audience so we're going to tread that ground i don't know I guess but, maybe i didn't make my maybe, maybe no I didn't should i no, no no i was thinking like like as as the demographic of you know that watched a, a show gets older should so, things get more sophisticated as that original audience gets older or is it so, accepted, or does it make sense to just keep it targeting mm -hmm. to that that younger age group so so far, the one the last time mass media has sort of done this is only I only think of two of two points in history, recent history, where sort of it's they've had that sort of success. So 
comics, of course, have you can still read comics for kids, but there's a lot more in a lot of comics now. They are there is a new there is nuance to it. I can read a story like us. Batman Damned is not made for a ten year old picking up his nice. comic books on Saturday morning. Uh, but by the same token, like Devil Dino Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is not targeted towards adults. It is a it is a good book. It is a phenomenal book, phenomenal character. But it's a target. It's targeted towards kids. Uh, like she's got she's got a big fluffy. It's not fluffy, but she's got a big like animal sidekick. Um, the only time that mass media has been successful aging up with its audience is Harry Potter. Mm -hmm. So it's hard for me to say that that wouldn't maybe appeal to them. You know, target towards me and not my ten year old cousin. I can pay for a Nickelodeon Plus subscription. He may still have to saying. convince the parent to. Uh, targeting towards adults, like I think a good point I should I could make is the last Airbender film that didn't was that isn't real. That first of all, M. Mike Shyamalan made that with the intent he made that for kids. It sucked. Kid fans of the show hated it, but he targeted that towards kids. And it was around the same time as the show had come out, so maybe it's not the best argument, but targeting it towards kids in live action, not smart. Because it's fantasy. And fa kids' fantasy is only really good in animation, I mm -hmm. Unless your you're protagonists are kids, and then you're aging up, right? I go back and I rewatch like Philosopher's Stone, uh, Chambers of Se Chamber of Secrets, and even Prisoner of Azkaban, even, it's, even though it's my favorite, and in my opinion the best of the Harry Potter films, uh, or even when I read the books, they, like, you can age up, but, like, those first two or three or even, like, four are a little, like, it's a stretch for me to not enjoy them. Of course, I enjoy them, wistfulness, and also because they're good, and it's, like, good fantasy and good, like, just good drama and good storytelling, like, anyway. But uh, it's more difficult to really enjoy sort of the moments of I'm a 13, 14, 15, 16 year old, right? And those memories for me aren't nearly as far in the past as they are for like my parents who also enjoy watching them, you know? So when I rewatch them, I'll rewatch Prisoner of Azkaban and I'll sort of like do other things while I watch like four, five, six, yeah, and or, or four and five, but then like six, seven and like part two, I'll watch uh, as closely as I watch episode or like uh, number three, like Prisoner of Eskimo. Uh And so aging up with your audience, you could definitely get to see some success there. And I think that if that's the direction Mike and Brian take, you know, you could do what Star Trek does. You make every show can be watched by anyone, but you're probably going to enjoy this one. If you're mm. a little older, you're going to enjoy this one. If you're a kid, this one is made specifically for kids. Uh, None, none are made specifically for adults. So that I could sort of get behind because it is Nickelodeon. This right. is, these are the people who brought you, who brought us Rugrats. Like they're not going to make uh, something explicitly for adults. They're going to make something that is more accessible to adults, has a lot more nuance, maybe. Which is why people, some people who've watched both and watched both as they came out, enjoy Legend of Korra more because it has a lot more nuance and a lot more mm -hmm. adult themes that are a lot more explicitly adults. Mm -hmm. Like the villain of the final season is a fascist. The villain of the of the third season is like um, a violent, like uh, anarchist, like an extremely violent anarchist. Right? They were able to move online to show even more extreme violence, but you know it's he's still a 
fucking anarchist. Such a good um, show. Season three of Legend of Korra is like peak television. Zaheer is probably the, one of the greatest villains of television I've ever Absolutely. seen. Absolutely. Like Henry Rollins did his voice. Henry Rollins, man. Henry Rollins yeah. is phenomenal. You know? And like when he shaved his head in the show, I was like, because I the only I had seen Henry Rollins in like three different TV shows and movies, always playing like a neo-Nazi. Most of the and time, yeah. when, he, when he shaved his, when Zaheer shaved his head, I was like, oh, fuck. Henry Rollins is like getting in. And like his like cauliflower ear. Yeah, and like his like jujitsu person body. Yeah, oh, phenomenal, phenomenal. Um, but Matt, like you might that, have to get in on that one. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Legend of Korra just went up on Canadian Netflix, actually. Did so it? it's all on Netflix now. Yeah, mm. but like my point is that's my point. That's why the this Nickelodeon. We talked about this for like half an hour. This is why I think it would be good because there is untread ground. You haven't talked about everything, you know. Season four came out around like what 2015, uh, 16. Um, Legend of Korra did. And the next year, or that year, or a year or two later, the United States elected a, a neo fascist as president. You're telling me that there's not something that you could retread, and then all these other things you could get into in a show or in a universe like the Avatar, where you haven't been afraid to confront very real issues right uh the, the 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 effects of war on people on the home front the effects of well, war on fine if you want to put soldiers. it like that like <laughs> this is why like probably yeah. my like my favorite one of my favorite cartoons is young justice because it's not about they're not kid superheroes they are superheroes that happen to be children yeah and they get into that wonder woman looks at batman and says you turned Dick into a child soldier. And he's like, Dick needed to be the one to confront his, his family's killers without, uh, and if he didn't, he would have become even more violent, whatever. But like the fact that they talk about the fact that yeah. you armed, like Calderon, I believe in season two, gets into like, you armed children. This is not okay. And he says to Dick, we let this happen, even though it was revealed that, like later on, spoilers for season two of Young Justice Invasion. Uh, like, and getting into, like, they still put us in this position, even though Calderon was actually, like, lying about being a, a traitor, um, or, uh, like, or leaving the good guys for, to work with his dad. Such Black a Manchester. good show. Such a good show. But, like, that's the sort of stuff that cartoons are able to tread, and it be for kids, and, you know... Like expose kids to this shit. Expose kids yeah. to that there that there are people who believe in ethno nationalism, like Fire Lord Ozai, who's also you get Mark Hamill, you always make a show. That's with true. Him. Like the the voice actors, the clout that a lot of these people bring. Um, you know, the, you're, you got a, some of that shades of that with like the Dragon Prince because it had a lot of the same voice cast and a lot of the same creators. Which is also a good and show. Like, I should finish it though. Yeah, like. They have no reason to not do it, but also like there is reason to do it, which is the best reason. It's not you're not doing it just because you can do it because you want to make a quick buck, but be, because you know there's there's ground to tread. There's work to be done. Well, I would say just one of those wait and see kind of things. Yeah, like if it's but here's the thing: if the Netflix show sucks, <clears throat> and then I think that's it for anything we'll ever get Avatar yeah. wise. Like if the Netflix show like adapts as best they can, and the only reason I can see if they like adapt it word for word, like on the script, 
on the paper, I should mm. say. The only reason I think the show would be bad is if like just the acting is not great. Right. Cause it's easier to get the sort of sick martial arts and cool magic system in a cartoon than is in real life. Hopefully optimistic. Cautiously optimistic. Yeah. So yeah. speaking of good acting. Oh, bro. <sighs> bro, that transition. Sweet. We, uh, we all just uh, finished watching the final episode of WandaVision. Oh, yeah. That came out today, didn't it? <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that was big news today. Um, and, you know, I enjoyed it, but I actually, there, there's for a couple of reasons, I feel a little let down by the episode. And, I mean, I haven't read any comments online, so I don't really know how other people are, are feeling about it. I may be in the minority here. My my main issue with it is that so before the end of the episode, like two thirds of the way through the episode, spoilers for anyone who hasn't seen it yet, the real Vision gets his memory back, essentially, right? And when yeah, he does, yeah, he goes flying away. So from that point on, we know that the real Vision has been brought back to life. He's out there somewhere. And now he remembers, um, you know, the life he had. So it kind of, at least for me, undercuts the whole final sequence where she's saying goodbye to the vision, where Scarlet Witch is um, saying goodbye to the vision that she created. Because you already know that down the road, she's going to meet the real vision again. And, you know, they're going to talk and she's going to help, you know, because I assume he flew off because he's got to process all of this now. And who knows, they may even end up back together. So the whole sequence where she's saying goodbye and it, it's still very well acted, which is why I said, speaking of good acting, but I, it, didn't, it didn't hit me in the feels the same way that it would have had I not already known the other vision is out there. The other thing, and this is a little more subjective, um, I'm kind of bummed that it turns out that, uh, you know, quick, that Quicksilver, the Evan Peters Quicksilver was just some actor yeah, um, with no larger connection to you know the multiverse or or the X Men or or anything like that. Um, so yeah, I'm torn. I think it was you know I enjoyed it, but I think I could have enjoyed it a little bit more. So Sam, your thoughts? I, so yeah, so this doesn't explain where uh, Ralph Boner got phenomenal name, phenomenal where uh, where <laughs> Ralph Boner got his powers. Um. So, and when he she took the necklace off, he just sort of gasped at her, at Monica. We didn't really, was that where his powers came from? Was that how he was being controlled? We didn't really get confirmation that it's not Pete. So I'm just going to leave it at that. Um, on, the, on, the white, on the white vision front, white vision explicit, very specifically has all of his memories, but he has no emotions. He has no emotional, whereas vision knew he was feeling some kind of way for Wanda like prior to like the events of the end of infinity war uh, in the MCU, she, or they had grown to love each other. He had sort of learned that he could love. He learned that he was a carbon based synthesoid, but he's also like, has he think he believes he has like personhood, right? He is not like data constantly striving. He's always becoming more human, right? To the point where he, is human. He is Paul Bettany without the makeup on in the start of an Infinity War. Um, in sort of that way, he learned to 
what Nick Changer looks like. But I think with that, I'm not disappointed because it's she's gonna find him. I think like in like opening scenes of Multiverse of Madness, and basically say she's gonna say that he's gonna say she's gonna say to him, "Come back with me." Blah blah blah. He's like, no. I don't care. About yeah, I know. But I just feel like she'll help him work through it, and he'll eventually develop the same kind of emotions and everything that Vision had before. Well, because I, think that, I, do. I feel like it's going to be like, just like Peter Quill is going to have to, um, you know, get to know this new Gamora, and she's going to, she's probably eventually going to come to love him the way the other Gamora did. I feel like the same thing is going to happen with uh, Wanda and White Vision. Eventually, he'll come around and he'll develop the same feelings for her that Vision had before. So, and again, I'm not, I'm not, dis I'm not necessarily disappointed that this is the way they're going. I'm just kind of disappointed that, um, you know, before the ending scene, we already knew that that Vision was still out there. Maybe I would have made it look like he was defeated or something, and then in the post-credit scene, oh, you find out he's still alive, just because that knowledge that he's out there meant that that goodbye just to me felt a little less than it could have been. So I thought I, they would have integrated together. I thought that, that would have been the way it would have been, like the two halves come together. But overall, I thought it was a acceptable ending to the show, and which is kind of weird because I've seen a few articles floating around about people not feeling it, and it got me thinking about what we were going to be talking on the show, and I have to agree, I understand. I'm glad we're talking about this because there really is a lot of mixed reviews out there that aren't really giving the show its due credit. So I made this point uh, during our Star Wars game a couple days ago, because um, obviously we didn't record an episode after episode eight came out. And I episode eight sort of reminded me, I went back and I watched it last night, um, shortly before, what's it called? The episode nine went live. I watched it like at right at 3 a.m. our time on the East Coast. Jeez. Yep, after Critical Role ended. And... My sort of uh, opinion of the episode eight it, at first was that I was bored, but I watched it again. I watched it twice more, and second time was with um, you know commentary by like this this these YouTubers I follow. And the third time, the last time I watched episode eight was on my own, letting myself be in the episode. I think too for too long we Marvel is sort of messing with us uh, on the front of we're thinking that something's always coming. So we're always looking for Easter eggs and hints and we aren't giving ourselves the chance to really enjoy what we're watching. Uh, and I think may I went into episode nine aware of that. So I watched, I just watched, I felt cringy when like the, 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 the sons had like their hands out. Cause like they're kids, they're not going to be great actors. I accept that. Like, but it was kind of cute and kind of like, sort of cutesy and still with the TV sort of aesthetic of, of everything. And once things shifted and, you know, Agatha started turning people against her and Wanda strangled them all and then let them go and sort of struggled and uh, all of that. I was hoping for like a good story and I, and a good ending and a satisfying ending. And I got that, you know, the symbolism of vision of her letting of vision was like she was letting vision go because she didn't know for the majority of the show that her vision wasn't actually vision it was her sadness it was her grief and that had been made flesh because she wanted vision back and to that point uh you know of it of, of that vision being her grief and sadness the ending of her letting everything go and collapsing the hex and all of that 
was really good. Mm-hmm. And her flying off and get it finally after four fucking what four movies and and the show, she finally gets her outfit, her classic outfit. And yeah. first of all, phenomenal take on the outfit, by the way. Yeah. They got rid of the mm-hmm. coat, but they got the long, like flared edges. They got the, the headdress. Awesome. The uh the postcard scene, also awesome. Feeling hearing the sun's voices. So I like that they left the mid and postgrad scenes for the the hints and the the stuff. Um, Sorry, whose voices? Uh, she could hear her son's voices calling out to her when she was reading the dark hold in the post credit scene. Did you? There were two post credit scenes. There's there the was, one with the scrolls, and then there's one right at the very very end. Oh yeah. shit! I did. I miss. I must have. I missed yeah. the second one. Well, then funny funny thing with the post credit scene, the very end credit scene, I should say. I was like when they were zooming in on like a cabin on a lake in like some vaguely northern city. For me, I was like, it's fucking Wolverine. I, I thought the same to, thing. I thought it's I thought, like oh, they're yeah. gonna say like in the corner, like rural 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 Alberta. And it's gonna be like you're not gonna see a silhouette, you're just gonna see like a like a like a hairy forearm and then some claws pop out. And like, no. like skin's a bear, but no face. Like that's what I was hoping for. They're that's, never that's gonna reveal those claws outside of the big moment. Yeah. But in that, but in that trailer, uh, but in that sort of post-grad scene, I was that's a hint. That's a great hint for for her in multiverse of madness. She's going through the multiverse to find her kids. The mm. big cred scene, I was very disappointed by. This just tells me they're folk putting all their shit behind secret invasion, mm. which I hate. Secret Invasion sucked. Secret and Secret Wars, in my opinion. The Skrulls are cool as like a tertiary, like a secondary villain or a tertiary antagonist. You know, when you got like the Kree as well in that movie or the Nova Corps in that movie. You know, it's mm-hmm. just like weird, like three-way, three-way um, rivalry or across the stars and, and Earth is always caught in the middle. That's cool. But like they're really pushing the Skrull thing and I'm kind of over it. And we haven't actually gotten the movie yet. We've gotten them in... This is the third thing they've appeared in now, right? Because they were in Captain Marvel. They were in uh, Spider-Man Far From Home. And I think they're sort of hyping them being around in so much stuff. So when Secret Invasion or Secret Wars or whichever one they're doing starts, I can't remember what it was, you know, they can say, look at all the work we did to show that secret that they were secretly invading. If they were working with us, then they could be working against us, blah, blah, blah. Like that stuff is lame, but it's what I expected. I wasn't really expect. I, I didn't come out of that thinking there would be like some moment in the future, a future film where she coaxes white vision back. If anything, as they say, when they're talking and they're talking about like Theseus's uh, ship, which is an actual like philosophical allegory. Like if you replace every part of a person, um, when did that, that person stop being themselves? Right. Um, and start being just a robot or whatever, or a new ship. Uh, when they say the mind stone is vision, is that vision, is your body and my mind stone with all the memory, with all the, the wear and tear and mold and rot and Theseus's touch and all that. Um, love, love some philosophy in my comic books, but, and like ideas, uh, the debates of personhood, but the, I'm really passionate about this, but the, I don't think they're going to do that soon. I think if anything, the end of Dr. Strange has her remaking the mind stone with the help of, Doctor Strange's time stone, and then she goes out like looking for white vision. And then maybe in like the next Avengers movie or in a future like X-Men film, she like does that and you know 
Uh-huh. I wanted to go back to your point because um, I, I agreed. Like I said, I, I did think when I saw those mountains and everything that we were about to be introduced to Wolverine. That kind of speaks to what you were saying, how like Marvel has kind of conditioned us to always be thinking about what's coming next. And I think it does kind of hamper um you know, our enjoyment of what we're currently seeing, because even during the episode when I was watching it, part of me was still thinking, so like, is Magneto going to show up? When's Magneto? Bro. Um, and then when he didn't, even though we weren't, you know, there, there was no reason to really think he would. Um, a little me, a little part of me was, was disappointed. I feel and, you. But it's, it's, it's crazy because it's not his story. It's Wanda's story. And yes, of course he's tied to Wanda, but you shouldn't need Magneto to show up to to enjoy this story for what it is, and yet a little part of me was disappointed. And but it, and so I, I think maybe that's a slight issue that we've become so accustomed to. Like, oh my God, there's where's the big reveal? What's the big reveal going to be? When really we should just be in the moment and enjoying what we're watching right now. And I feel the exact same way because I was waiting for um, uh, Bumble Snoot Cooper Boot to show up as Doctor Strange, yeah, too. I thought that would have made just as much sense and still tied stuff into the bigger Marvel universe. Or that, that I think is, that that's Marvel's, um, I think that ends up being Marvel's strength and its weakness now because yeah. it's the connectivity that put them on the map. But now there's that, that same connectivity maybe hindering uh, the enjoyments of the show because I guess it's also we're watching shows in an age of social media. So the first person to catch some Easter egg, it's just being able to say, oh, I caught that. And so there's that that sort of sense of collecting uh, Easter eggs. So, yeah, I've, I think that's what Marvel is struggling with is that balance now. I, yeah, I, I didn't quite think it was going to be Benedict Cumberbatch as Stephen Strange. I was thinking it was going to be like, Reed Richards, like Mr. Like a pre-Fantastic Four, Mr. Fantastic. Mm. Um, but by I sort of uh, with all the uh, the discourse around Episode Eight, I was seeing of oh, it's her therapy session. They're giving us a break before the finale. Blah blah blah. Like no, watch it. It's needed. It's an important part of the show mm-hmm. and of, of the whole the story of not just Wanda Vision, but of Wanda and showing us scenes we know existed or scenes they alluded to but never really getting into it. We didn't know how Wanda got her powers and they showed her in a post-credit scene way back in uh, uh, Captain America, the winter soldier in the winter soldier, right? With the fucking in the the room with her powers and fucking messing with the wooden blocks. Like that stuff, what they showed us, everything they showed us in episode eight, I think put into context that we need to watch these as they are. Like mm-hmm. nowadays, people don't watch. People went into Aquaman and the new Wonder Woman movie with uh, with no opinion of the world around it because they knew that DC. It's a little meta to watch a movie like this, but they knew that DC was focusing now on let's make good movies. And if after the fa- after the at the end of all those of uh, movies we have on our slate, we maybe can put together a cinematic universe that can compete or exceed Marvel. We'll do that. But until that time, let's just focus on making good movies. Marvel has always done that, but have always been layering in Easter eggs. They made WandaVision and like this. And now post in a post-episode eight world, I enjoyed episode nine. 
And I think in, in two weeks' time, when the first episode of The Falcon and the Winter Soldier come out, which is not a TV show, it is a six-part film, or a film in six parts, mm -hmm. I think I'm going to be of the same mind that of, I am now. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch it, right? I'm not going to be thinking about all the possibilities for for Zemo and uh, for Helmet Zemo and like re resurrecting Hydra. I'm not going to be thinking about like, oh, what does U.S. agent being brought in mean for the like American government's treatment of superpower people was sore just the beginning. Does this mean they're going to talk about Sentinels finally or, uh, you know, and that's going to be their method into the mutants and the mutants heart have been now hit have are revealed to have been brought in by Wanda, but no one, but no one actually knows because they've always been here, you know, science time, uh, like time travel shit. Like I'm not going to go in looking for those things. I'm going to go in and watch. I know us agent is in it. I know there's certain things they're going to talk about with like the creation of captain America and maybe get into like the, like the original uh, captain America with, uh, um, Oh God, Patriots grandfather. Isaiah, yeah. um, uh, you know, getting into sort of that stuff with Captain America that they've alluded to softly, um, uh, especially with like them bringing in doing the Sam Wilson Captain America storyline, which is a phenomenal book. Uh, and I actually start I've just started rereading in anticipation of Falcon and Winter Soldier. Uh, and I'm going to go into that with that fresh look. And I think more people need to be aware of that. And I think that's why marvel is misstepping sometimes because they allude to something and they don't get to it fast enough they don't get to it the way we wanted and mm. or they allude to something and then it comes at us from a completely different angle the disappointment was palpable in online discourse and forums and social media yeah. when the person with dropping off the the carrier was just some like military woman it wasn't reed richards or someone like famous like from like Marvel lore. Now I got to ask Matt, are you going to watch winter soldier or sorry, winter soldier uh, Falcon and winter soldier as episodically, or are you going to sit down and watch it back to back like a movie? Oh no, I'm definitely going to watch. You mean like, am I going to wait until all the episodes are out before I watch it? Yeah. No. And watch it in one shot. It's impossible because I'm going to be spoiled by the time the, uh, I can't avoid yeah. spoilers. So, you know, it's impossible to wait until all the episodes are out. I just, I don't think I can immediately flip a switch and now go back to like not having these expectations and not, mm -hmm. you know, not really having them, but not looking so hard, like being aware that I'm not, Okay, I'm being aware that the purpose of one movie is not just to tease the, or one project is not to tease the next one. And right, I think that, or the bigger, the biggest, the the next big team up event, I should say. I mean, th and that's important to keep in mind. Just for me, I don't think I'm going to be able to flip the switch that quickly. So I'm probably yeah. still going to be doing a bit of that when when um, Falcon and Winter Soldier come out. I love the interactivity. Yeah. I love the callbacks. I love, you know the you know exploring things that have happened in past movies in more depth or from a different angle i think the issue really is these call forwards stop trying to um like you said i i don't want to see every show and movie as just you know an introduction to the next show and movie um, yeah. because i like that that is the flaw i think that those callbacks are awesome because yeah the callbacks like, are great like I saw a call, I saw people talking about the callback of people who were saying, "Oh, Team Iron Man was the right ones in Civil War," 
But then it's like the guy who wants to control heroes is the guy who helmed the creation of Hulk, who created Abomination to fight Hulk, not be to kill him, but because he wanted yeah. to control him. And now, and then he is, but he is somehow not the antagonist of Civil War, right? He is Thunderbolt the, Ross. Yeah, like first of all, bring in Thunderbolts Ross, not the Thunderbolts. Fuck the Thunderbolts. So bring in, bring in Red Hulk and. No, I, I'd watch the Thunderbolts. That was a you know. that was a terrific concept in the series. But I think that's I, I think that same palpable disappointment would also be present in fan opinions of a Marvel show and very heavy underlined there on a Marvel show that didn't uh, connect with the rest of the universe as much as this one did. Like how thrilled were we when we saw Agent Wu do the card trick? He learned it. We were so happy for him. We were so proud uh, that he, he got it. Kat Dennings got her PhD. Solid job. I'm so happy for you, Marcy. You know, what was that her name? Marcy? Dar I feel like it was Darcy? Darcy. Darcy? Darcy. Darcy. So happy for you, Darcy. Um, those are called like, back. genuinely. Those are called back. Those are the kind of that's the kind of interconnectivity I like. I, I I'm I'm saying that I think Marvel's flaw is that they've made it so that we're always looking for stuff in this show that's going to tease possible future projects. And then if we don't get it, we're kind of disappointed. Like the guy with the briefcase, not being Reed Richards or Stephen strange, not showing up. Um, that's the kind of activity. Well, I think that's the, that's the dragon ball, ball principle of story of storytelling. You know, you, you get them charging up for a good, for the first act and then after commercial break there's about five or six punches thrown before we decide oh this isn't my final form so i think that that's marvel's way of those little flash forwards like we have to you know oh you're the infinity stone well suddenly i think wanda is wanda going to be going after the infinity stone um but again I, I think that's also the fans fault though but for for I think that does um, a disservice that deep into it. I think that does a disservice to what we're watching. Like instead of talking about how powerful this this specific scene was, we're talking about some tiny little Easter egg and what it means for the future. And I think it detracts from the the show that, or the movie that that's that's currently. But is that on the fans or is that on the show? Well, I think, I think it's on the fans. I think Marvel conditioned us to be a certain way, and now it's kind of the fans have kind of taken that and it's snowballed. I mean, it's, I mean, it's not really anybody's fault. It was just an attempt to tell a story in a certain way, and I think maybe now, honestly, if I saw uh, if I saw uh, if if Falcon and, and 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 Winter Soldier didn't have like an an ultimate post credit scene at the end of the final episode, I think I might be okay with that. I think it actually might be a, a change and and. Uh, but I know a lot of people probably wouldn't be okay with that because then they're like, what comes next? We need, we need a teaser, but I'm actually, exactly. but I'm kind of getting sick of seeing these teasers. I, I just let it stand on its own. Cause we're in like, we're in like a post like Tom Holland world where things get leaked. So you know what they did in November? They told us everything that'll be coming out in the next three years, right? Yeah. From Ant-Man and the Wasp quantum mania with Jonathan majors as Kang phenomenal casting, by the way. What does this mean for Iron Lad and the Younger Avengers? I do not know, and I don't care. You know, but we know what comes next. It's Loki, and then yeah. it's 
what if? And then it's uh, Cap, it's a uh, Miss Marvel, and then it's Armor Wars, and then we're, and then uh, it's Spider Man to connect the dots. Then it's the next Spider Man movie, uh, and then it's Doctor Strange or, or Thor: Love and Thunder or everything that else is coming out in late twenty twenty one, early twenty twenty two, and then beyond, where that's the things that have already been around announced. I think that uh, this is probably the last thing I'll say is that they started doing that because they wanted to show you give hints of what might be happening next for people who uh you know read the comics like i used to watch a show on geek and sundry starring uh two guys i think hosted by two guys can't remember the name of the show but start b dave walters who's a big guy in the new community and damien poitier damien poitier is an actor he's been in a bunch of stuff um big tall black guy he was the original actor of thanos before Jonathan John Brolin. Or, right, like uh, at the end of the first Avengers movie, yeah. right? Yeah. At the end of the first oh, Avengers okay. movie, I wasn't a comic book fan at that time. He turns, I just I was it was the summer and I was visiting my family in Canada. The fucking theater exploded. They had heard yeah. a rumor that something was coming. Uh, uh, since Iron Man, like they'd sort of been conditioned to think that these post-grad scene were come scenes were coming, but like social media and like nerd media and stuff. I thought, and like the forums, I for me at least hadn't really taken off yet. The theater exploded because it was fucking Thanos, right? When they yeah. could have just thought it was the Loki, Loki and the Shatowry, or what have you. And since that I'm time, right yeah, now. like legitimately, I'm getting goosebumps and right since, now just thinking about and, that moment. And since that time, there's a whole other discussion we could have about how Thundercap was a culmination of that very moment. But I digress. Uh, we. Since that time, we're conditioned to expect that, but that's not for us. Marvel does that for us because they want to hype up their shit, get people talking about it, and then they can make a billion dollars when the next movie comes out, right? And I don't, but I don't think the fan. I think Marvel is now people are no longer basking in how good their shit is because they've they have conditioned us to think. I'm yelling now. They have conditioned us to think that. We're always we're always gonna get what's next hidden somewhere, and then making a nine episode TV show that's probably about as long as like two or a very, one very long movies. Uh, you know, we spent the whole we sp spent the last nine weeks looking for hints of what was coming next, and we didn't get anything really until the very very end. As every as every reveal was sort of cut ended. Agatha Harkness isn't coming back. Again, they shaft their villain. Classic Marvel. Yeah. Um, uh, Evan Peters was just some meta casting, if Matthew is right and I'm wrong. Could, could we pause and just take a moment to really appreciate Catherine Hahn? Yeah. Uh, but as, like the fact that. As one of the best Marvel villains that we've had in quite some time, really enjoyed her her personality imagine her bantering with loki yeah. or like, or steven strange but once, oh. but once again they shaft their villains and this sort of gets to our my our larger discussion that um fan expectations of marvel that we'll be talking about a little later yeah but the fans are stupid we're <laughs> hopping right back in <laughs> kyle you son of a bitch we're hopping right back in with fan expectations marvel um i don't think we're going to talk a lot i think we're just going to talk generally um sorry we were on when i said that <laughs> you asshole we, but we, i think we said a lot of what we wanted to say in our wandavision discussion 
because a lot of the fanatizations around Marvel films and pretty much revolve around the the post credit scene, the mid credit scene, the yeah. end credit scene, whatever you want to call them. We are sort of in a space now in Marvel generally, as someone who sort of came to Marvel, you know, through the MCU. Like I had watched, of course, like the Fantastic Four movies. Um, you know, with Chris, with Chris Evans, I had watched the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies and the Amazing Spider-Man with Andrew Garfield. But uh, Marvel, I didn't really get into it until like the X-Men. The X-Men really brought me into it. And then the comics kept me in. But then, you know, the quality of the comics has, uh, or the, the, the good Marvel comics have sort of become fewer and farther between for me uh, over the past couple of years. So with I'm, I pretty much was reading like the old, the current, the last Old Man Logan uh, mini 12 issue miniseries or dead man logan phenomenal miniseries marvel was sort of been able to emulate what they're doing on on uh movie screens on tv a lot because now tv is for them everything else is just a feeder into the movies because that's how they make all their that's how they make their bank but the the cartoons are sort of a a bit a bit of a vestige of like comic book stories because mm-hmm. we're getting like miles and we're getting like consistent like uh like a consistent like red skull antagonist um we're getting a lot of like comic book stories with the aesthetic and tone of the mcu but obviously it's animated the fan expectations generally of just like we can expect a consistent quality but if they acknowledge that it's all just feeders into now their their films but also now the disney plus series like yeah i've i've been with marvel for quite a while since like high school um but I don't know, man, something about the way Disney Marvel or Marvel Studios has changed the game. Like they straight up changed the game the second Nick Fury came in at the end of, of Iron Man and said, uh, here to talk about the Avengers. Like it was a no, nobody done it before. Nobody done it before, and now fans don't know what to expect or what to do. I mean, what's the next thing? Like putting on an Oculus Rift and literally sitting on a New York street as the same actors run by and or fight, and you just get to sort of sit there as a bystander. I mean, we th- there's they've given us so much that we just expect. Uh, there's a certain minimum of connectivity that we expect now. And I think that's a, I think it's a fair expectation of fans uh, in Marvel or let me say that again. I think that's a fair expectation of Marvel fans now to want to see that connectivity or to feel like that connectivity is just around the corner or it's, it's about to show up, you know? So I think that it's, it's reasonable based on the, 13 years now of Marvel media? Well, uh, 13 years of the MCU, yeah. But I was going to yeah. say, do you think that this you know, expectation of connectivity and specifically this expectation of post credit scene, do you think that's just uh, something that, that Marvel fans or MCU fans expect? Because it seems like that's what just fans in general uh, expect now. I mean, every time a movie comes out, there'll be articles on different websites saying, does so-and-so have a post-credits scene? I mean, regardless yeah. of, 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 of the, um, the universe, I, the genre. Yeah. 
as soon as the first credits roll in like every Marvel movie I've been in since I sort of, you know, had begun to sort of engross myself in nerd culture, probably since like late 2015, whether it's scrolling to the bottom of the Wikipedia plot summary to see in the post credit scene. Uh, and as soon as like, I remember once I like four people pull their phones out and then some guy in the bottom row, like calls out, there's a post credit scene. And everyone like everyone who had, who had begun to walk out, goes back to their seats, sits down and watches. Right. Or a mid credit scene or both or, 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 and if there isn't like with, I know a lot of people who Googles got the answer and left and, and left Avengers Endgame and didn't see like all the signatures, like things being uh, drawn out at the end of Endgame. Uh, I think the last one I, I missed was Captain Marvel because like my phone died. And I was like, yeah, it's like, I know what's coming out. The next movies are coming out. And like, and I ended up just watching it on YouTube a couple of weeks later once it like it had been put up or, or like ripped and uh, from the movie theaters. And you know, I, I, I saw it. I thought, Oh, cool. But I turned it off and like, you know, the post-grad scene is something now that sort of made its way into everything. They did it in Wonder Woman 84 in a way that in something that was completely unnecessary, like cool. Linda Carter is revealed to have been the hero in that uh, Diana is referring to when, you know, the Amazons fled Greece in sort of the, the before time of like DC Themyscira's history. Um, cool. I didn't need to stick around for however many minutes I stuck in, I stuck around uh, through some really fucking long, there were some pretty long credits, as I recall. Um, season uh, finale, the, the last season of The Mandalorian, perfect example. Like, granted, it's also Disney, but like, uh, did you need the Book of Boba Fett? You could have released like, uh, like a, a five minute short, or not even like a 30 second like bit um, on YouTube. And you would have gotten the same reaction. Yeah, it's definitely overused. I think if it was done a little more sparingly, like just for those moments, like at the end of the original Avengers movie where you see Thanos turn, um, yeah, that wouldn't hurt. I'd be on board yeah. with that. They hadn't. They 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 hadn't. They had. It had been alluded to that the stone, the that the the Tesseract was an Infinity Stone, but like that was the only one they had, and like the scepter was also blue, so that couldn't be an Infinity Stone as well. Um, but like, they didn't know they hadn't announced any of this infinity stone stuff, the infinity saga, the infinity gauntlet, whatever. Yeah. Um, like, so that's huge. Like I, this is why I maintain that they should not tease anything until they reveal that mutants are here now. Right. They don't. And that's why post-grad scene, multiverse of madness throughout the entire shoot movie. Don't allude to the fact that mutants are going to come. There may be rumors, but never say anything in the movie or in press. And then the, the 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 end credit scene is Magneto killings a bunch of people and escaping prison. Like I maintain that that would be the best way to introduce mutants with Magneto, the one of the greatest. He's like of caliber of the Joker and Ra's al Ghul and um, Thanos in terms of like iconic mm-hmm. like nature. Uh, and he's also he also has the civil rights angle. So there's always that that sympathy that you can pull from from magneto so i think it would be, he'd be a great character but i think the wolverine yeah. is going to have if, if they introduce any mutant you're just going to see three claws and see a, a room full of people go insane that's it you're just going to see a hand hanging down and then all of a sudden the the three claws pop out and he's just 
and people will that's it and cutscene. see the beauty of that is you can do that before you even cast anybody to play the next wolverine yeah. So you can make it really a surprise because there's really no news leaked out about it because all they need is just an arm and three claws and it can belong to anybody. So yeah, that would be a good way to introduce it. A phenomenal way that for Marvel to subvert expectations and to really like, ha ha, you thought it was Mr. Fantastic played by John Krasinski. Nope, it's just this military woman, right? Yeah. Like uh, the most, the most like, there are fan expectations to throwbacks now, to callbacks because- Darcy and Jimmy Woo are big throwbacks. Like, not just the card trick, but, like, the fact that he breaks out of the handcuffs in the final episode. You know, yeah, like, how... Where did he get that safety pin? He pro- Who cares? He always... No, it was a paperclip, I think. And I think he, like, took it off. No, the it was paper. a safety pin. That was behind him. Well, as the okay, resident... Who cares? As the resident... Uh, what, what did you call me? Continuity snob. <laughs> I demand to know where he got this safety yeah, pin. <laughs> I kind of do, too. It kind of threw me for a loop. I'm like, where the shit is this coming? Unless he had it in his pinned in his coat regardless regardless uh my fundamentally the expectation amongst marvel fans and also the expectation of marvel things is a little too much interconnectivity like i expect i i expect interconnectivity but marvel gives us i think a touch too much they have a and a very I don't want to say a closed universe, but it's like the universe is a closed loop, right? And there isn't going to be something that happens. They, they, nothing, they can't make a standalone something now, Yeah. No. right? They can't make a, if they wanted to make a, or they tried to, I should say, the Defenders, Punisher, they tried to make a gritty, contained, uh, like, macrocosm of events that are influenced by the events of the wider MCU, but they do not, they themselves do not affect. Like Luke Cage isn't getting on Iron Man's nerves, even though he's like in his backyard. Right. Wish he was though. Right. Like they, they could have had potential for like having the green arrow Batman discussion of you say you're heroes yet me and my, like my other, other black guys are getting shot in the streets. You're saving the world, but you're you're from new you live in new york and you're not helping people yeah you know that's why i I don't love it i don't think spider-man spider-man is an avenger in the comics and everything else he is an avenger i don't like it though because spider-man is the is an extremely powerful street level hero yeah that's why spider-man's appealing because for the most part not a lot of things can like come up to his level in terms of power right He's that's why he can quip and use that sort of energy. Versatile character, though. But my point being that the expectation now, since now Defenders is apparently no longer canon, even if they are going to be bringing back, um, you know, Charlie Cox as Daredevil in the next Spider Man movie, the rumor being at least, with like people haven't said if it's just a spoof or they're just fucking with you. But if that is the case, then again, there's us in more interconnectivity because now. The comics are not where where Marvel lives. Marvel, if you are a if you're a ten year old and someone says Iron Man, they're gonna put point at Robert Downey Jr. Oh, not yeah. a picture, not a, not a panel of some Van Dyke guy getting drunk and being depressed. Agreed. But okay, so how do you? Because this is something we addressed in our discussion of Star Wars and Star Trek. How do you think fans in the in in the Marvel you know fandom? 
react when these expectations of post-credit scenes and interconnectivity are not met? I think we, we see what happened when episode eight came out. The lar for the most part, the biggest backlash was, oh, it's just some therapy filler episode. So stupid. Oh, so stupid that people said that. It was a phenomenal episode of character growth. Yeah. I saw it and I said that first and then I rewatched it with open eyes and a, and a clear heart and like focusing on what I'm seeing, even with the, the commentary and then the third time on my own. It's a good episode because it is like pacing through Wanda's trauma. It's pacing through what's happened to her. Um, and it's really the only the second time we've gotten a really good accounting of events of a person's life that made them the hero they are when it comes to like a hero or a female hero since Captain Marvel. Mm. We still haven't gotten it. With, it was like, like Black Widow's was alluded to in Age of Ultron, but as we know, the the MCU is just like, um, like Avengers is like a step away from Team America World Police. Yeah. And Age of Ultron was just like, Soviet, you Russia bad, America good. Um, but they only allude to Natasha's trauma. Yeah. They don't say the word hysterectomy. And like me watching it, I know what's that what they're talking about. But like the eight the eight-year-old twins and like their their mom who brought them to the movie, because oh, it's a superhero movie. Don't know what they're talking about. All they know is Russia bad, America good. Basically, yeah. Mil military, military and cops to be trusted. And and really episode eight did have interconnectivity, but it was that it was that interconnectivity with past stories instead of that interconnectivity and, and setting up future events. And I guess that's that's the main expectation of Marvel movies and TV is that they set up the next thing. Um, and on the topic of the eighth episode, do you think, because they, they do kind of address her accent, do you think that she lost her accent because of how much TV she watches? Like she watched a lot of American TV and that's how she lost her accent. Legitimately, I think it's some of that, like throughout the course of the show. I think it's a little bit of erasure, if I'm not, if I'm mm -hmm. being completely honest. Like Wanda Maximoff is a, her father maybe in the comics, generally the, her father tends to be Magneto. There was a bit of retconning a couple of years, like a decade ago, I, I believe, yep. where, um, you know, she and Pietro are mutates and, uh, you know, she comes from like a Romani background or they had always come from a Romani background. Their mother was already always Romani, but she was a Romani Jew for the majority of her comic book life. And they cast Elizabeth Olsen and then Wanda joins a neo-fascist like organization that started with the Nazis. Uh, we were trying to change the world, blah, blah, blah. But it's a little bit of erasure, I think. I think it's yeah. a little bit of like brushing Sokovia under the rug because they're not trying to frame it like with Helmut Zemo and Daniel Bruhl, who is a German actor um, who has played a Nazi a number of times um, now coming back and being a villain, maybe bringing back Hydra, but they're, I think they're trying to distance a like the character of Wanda from that, um, from but the fact that she's, the fact that they never really have talked about her faith, like uh, they, you know, they, but they, they did it with Peter Parker. They've erased the fact that he's always been Jewish coded. Did Elizabeth Olsen play Wanda with an accent in Age of Ultron? Yeah. I'm trying to oh, yeah. Yeah. You see that coming? He's like, like, or Aaron Taylor Johnson. Did you not see that's coming? He's yeah, like very. Okay. I'm happy. He doesn't, I'm happy he doesn't talk much in that movie because the accent is nothing to go, to write home about. Yeah. See, I haven't seen Age of. I haven't rewatched Age of Ultron in a long time because I don't like it. And... <laughs> it is the most yeah. Avenger movie there all is. It, all, it, all it reminds you of is that 
like ever like Tony has created nine out of ten of his villains. Just yeah. Which is like the most everything Avenger thing ever. No. No, it's not. <laughs> so here's the thing about Iron I have problem I have my own problem set of problems with Iron Man. I think Robert Downey Jr. gave life to Tony Stark, but Iron Man doesn't have villains. Most of the Avengers don't have villains. Captain America has like Red Skull and like Hydra generally. Like, but none of the uh, think it, think of an Avenger in the comics or a cartoon. They don't have a villain. They don't have a rogues gallery because they're yeah. they're not Sp- like, Spider Man. Ca- Spider Man is the superior storytelling device. Um, the X Men have the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants or Magneto. Wolverine has Sabretooth. But I think the the Avengers being the vehicle for Marvel. Uh, gives them a little freedom with their villains to focus on the storytelling of the heroes, which is why, again, when I watch something, sort of a negative fan expectation of Marvel, so I expect them to shaft the villain at the end and, like, leave the door, like, sh- practically shut and seal the door closed forever bringing a hero back. When Agatha Harkness was like, you're stuck here and you're stuck, you're doomed to be the nosy neighbor, the the role you, uh, uh, you chose for yourself, you'll be the nosy neighbor forever, but if I have any of you, I'll come back. Like, Okay, I expected that. You know, I hate the only time it really stuck with me that I was happy that my expectations was subverted was when uh, T'Challa didn't let Zemo kill himself at the end of Civil yeah. War. Not in, a, in a great scene, really. Um, uh, but also, like, the scene where in, in Black Panther, I was so pissed that they killed off Michael B. Jordan, but it sort of had to happen, right? Because he had accepted his death and he, he, like knew that he was never going to change, and t- even though T'Challa had been changed by the experience, um, he knew that Killmonger couldn't like walk away from it. Also, he couldn't like save him. And I was subverted because him living would, but uh, would have been better, you know, because he's like one of probably the the best villain in a Marvel movie. Well, Iron Man three also managed to keep the Mandarin alive by saying, "Oh, you know, at the end, it, it wasn't really him." Yeah, yeah. and the, in the the little thing with the ten rings. God, I yeah. hope that's gonna Shang Chi's. You already well, Shang Chi's already gonna be awesome because it's starring a Canadian. So, shout out Toronto. Um, <laughs> see, that's the thing. That's what made Marvel movies. The Marvel movies was the connectivity. Without the connectivity, do you really have like you? You pretty much nailed it. Uh, nailed it on the head. Is if there's no connectivity, can a Marvel movie exist as a Marvel movie? I have. A... I have a great metaphor. I have a great metaphor, okay? And I think I'm going to just to justify being less interconnected going forward. Uh, if we think of the process from Iron Man 1 to the end of Endgame as the process of buying a, a nice beef roast, braising it, taking the time to work, uh, searing it first, of course, taking the time to braise it and stew it and soften it. Then you go out while it's braising, you get your groceries, you get your taco shells, you get your, um, your tortillas, sorry, your, uh, your toppings and everything. And now at the end of at the end of end game, I can take my, my beef out. I can shred my beef and I can make the, uh, the tacos that will be the, the films, that do not need touch, do not be related, but are all born from this 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 beautiful piece of artwork that is the eighteen nineteen films, whatever the number is, of between Iron Man and Endgame, and so now I think that we can maybe begin to enjoy the fruits of the labor 
and get good stories that aren't don't have to be interconnected. Multiverse mm-hmm. of Madness is probably going to be explosive, but it's going the events of it will probably be the last thing whose events affect uh, exterior, like the world on the outside. Um, the Guardians of the Galaxy and Thor movies do this quite well. Yeah, they sort of integrate, uh, uh, you know, the Infinity Stones and what have you. But the villain of uh, of Guardians of the Galaxy was a Kree extremist who ultimately had no has no bearing late on later stories. He was a servant of Thanos. Uh, he died, uh, right? Yeah, he died yeah. at the end. But then yeah. he sort of he, he sort of show up in, he did show up in Captain Marvel. Yeah, but that takes place like twenty years before yeah. secondary antagonist. Right. Okay. Um, you know, Thor Ragnarok, another perfect example, right? Like the end of the post-credits thing, like Thanos shows up, kills them, but the events of that actually don't really affect the the MCU other mm-hmm. than bringing the, bringing all of the, what's their faces, all these Asgardians to earth, right? Yeah. And the wider effects of the MCU, sort of, that's why I think Thor Ragnarok is probably one of the best movies in the MCU and why, uh, the fruit, like maybe Spider-Man No Way Home, uh, if that's what the actual name is, and Spider-Man Far From Home as well, don't really affect the universe. They affect Peter, yeah, you know, but they don't affect the universe, which is sort of, I think, just a, a general strength of Spidey. Well, but like every, whereas every Iron Man movie, not every Iron Man movie, sorry, every Cap movie has always been a world-shattering event. In Winter Soldier, S.H.I.E.L.D. was destroyed. In the first Avenger, the Avengers were sort of you know, alluded to, and Hydra became a force that was sort of cut, brought back in Winter Soldier, and then Civil War was Civil War. It created the COVID Accords. It broke up the team. It, um, you know, even the uh, even like you could you could the Avengers would benefit from a closed loop Avengers tale, and yet none of the Avengers movies did that. Right, Age of Ultron, you could argue, but like, you know, you still kill off Pietro. You still bring in Wanda Maximoff. Finally, get the, her title. Her, her superhero name yeah uh, that was pretty cool to finally see for the first yeah. time yeah but like uh i think maybe not having something so interconnected is a is a strength middle fingers to you both i'm going easter egg hunting Woo. yeah i think fantasy of marvel is that it's gonna be good it's gonna be you know, it's it's it, it's a lot of fan service at this point. Oh yeah, and I think maybe they're going to start getting into like White Vision is not like some super well known thing. It's not niche. It was not like a niche. Eighties. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah, and White Vision is one of those things that's okay. That's kind of cool. Agatha Harkness, a little bit of a deep cut. If you didn't watch, Very Evolution, deep cut. Right. Um. Uh, uh, Monica Rambeau as Photon is someone that's always been, Monica Rambeau has always been around, but the fact that they're sort of bringing her in, um, but then, like, she's gonna be this fight in the Skrulls, which is lame, like, because the Skrulls are, like, boring. She is a space character, though. Like, you know her, she's a cosmic character, sorry. Yeah, because they want, because they don't want, they. but, like, I, this is just my famous thing with Captain Marvel. She, okay, so she's not gonna come unless she's called, fine. Leave Monica Rambeau on Earth have her just fucking being a badass, tearing shit up. What's wrong with that? Oh, because they need to show the struggle of being a hero, and there's something more powerful than her. And I'm like, no, because no, let no. her win. Let let the fight be easy for once. No, because Monica has issues that she needs to uh, hash out with Carol because she believes Carol gave her mom cancer. Uh, 
No, that's why Batman's so good. That's why Batman as a hero is so good. Because you know, nine out of ten times when he fights someone, you go into it knowing he's probably gonna win, unless it's Bane or like uh another or one of the Robins. He's gonna win because he's he's fucking Batman, right? That's why Superman watching Superman or reading Superman comics is good. It's not about him in the fight. That's why in a lot of Superman comics and the best ones, he's not fighting. Of course, he if they were in a fight, he could win right? He's got to find the guy who knows he can't see through lead and, uh, or the people who only speak in code because he can hear them and they're trying to run a, like a successful criminal enterprise in Metropolis under, right under his nose and succeeding. And how do they do mm-hmm. that? Right? Like it's, there's nothing wrong with, I think having an, an enemy that can be easily defeated by someone like Monica Rambo, who is one of the most powerful, like, uh, superpowered pe- beings in marvel who's like of a caliber to like storm or um you know uh gene gray or bobby drake i noticed how i just named three mutants uh yeah or but- thor but like i i think uh possibly my expectation is that they will ultimately fail to do justice to an awesome character is that they, an they- expectation though because don't they usually have they ever really f- completely failed to do justice to an awesome character, Marvel? I mean, certainly. So far, so far they haven't done it yet. With it took, it's taken them this long to do it with Rhodey. It took them this long to do it with 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 Wanda. But they're getting there, though. I mean, that that's the expectation with Marvel is that ultimately there will be a satisfying arc for most of these main. Yeah, but characters. they could have done. But then I I would raise you Black Widow movie coming out now, but she was introduced in a movie in what two thousand and nine 2010 12 years. so it took 11 years for the character to get her own movie. Sure, yeah but at least, you know? I'm, at least she's getting, i guess i'm comparing it to like i mean things that I, I think now we can be a little more optimistic about where star wars is going but you know because of the sequel trilogy there is kind of an expectation or there there is some doubt that some of these characters may not get the the proper treatment i'm thinking mainly like finn i mean right they just kind of we 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 didn't get as much uh, well you can't really put that on marvel no 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 i'm comparing it i'm saying marvel you generally you can expect that the characters are going to get a satisfying arc and that you're not going to your expectations aren't going to be completely subverted in a way that's okay disheartening uh whereas in star wars at least because of the sequel trilogy there is some kind of doubt that okay yeah. you know, may, maybe my favorite character isn't necessarily gonna get the treatment i, I think he or she deserves um so i was just trying maybe. to contrast the two and say that that marvel you can generally expect that you know i i yeah. think regardless of who you like you're gonna you're gonna see an entertaining movie that at least mm-hmm really make you angry <laughs> what happened to your favorite character i gotta ask you guys when you're watching a marvel movie are you focused on the characters or are you focused on the world like the bigger picture fair question um but like when i'm watching a movie if i'm analyzing a movie i might be but when i'm watching a movie i'm just watching the movie like they're mm-hmm. doing some world building i might be able to pick it out but like no one who no one who picks and prods in a movie, even if they say so, notices those things the first time they watch it. Unless they're like watching a show like WandaVision or yeah. where they're expecting a lot of Easter eggs, right? Like these like the CinemaSins people, 
Like you're not seeing that the first time you watch the movie. You're not thinking, oh, that makes no sense. Where did she get that sword? It's now perfect to kill everything. Uh, uh, you know, like, no, you're not getting that the first time you watch the movie. I'm watching a movie because I enjoy it. I didn't go into Endgame like, hmm, what are the implications for the world? As I stroke my beard uh, of how will the how will the economy not collapse, but also maybe do better because there are so many fewer people. Hmm. No, I'll, I'm seeing that like, oh, cool. Pot of whales in the Hudson. Thundercap! Captain America with Mjolnir. My face is melting. Like, that's what I'm like. Like, yeah. Uh, I think, I think the question is flawed. I would I would say when it comes to the treatment of Marvel characters, it's almost like, to, to bring it back to their food metaphor, it's like uh, Mar- the and Marvel Studios is like they put their put, they put, they fill their plate at the buffet, they start eating, and then they stop and they see food they like. They put more food on their plate and they keep eating, they eat faster and faster. More movies come out, more movies come out, but they see more food they like. So they put more food on their plate and they keep eating, but then they see more food and they, they never get back to their table because they keep, they, they eventually finish that first thing, you know, and that first thing they finish is the Infinity Saga. But now they've got space and Captain Marvel and Thor and Guardians of the Galaxy and this whole other storyline with Loki that they've introduced and wanda that's on unre- that's only just been resolved but now it's unresolved because she has the dark hold she somehow got the dark hold and you know that people are at cinema since people are going to like or like cinema like nitpickers are going to see that and like how'd she get the dark hold where'd she get the dark hold i wasn't destroyed blah 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 blah, blah. Uh, and for me i'm like looking at them like slow the fuck down not about even about my earlier argument weeks ago from an early or one of our earliest episodes is marvel flooding the market like that's not even up for debate anymore now it's just like, it's all good. They're flooding the market, uh, but where does it end? You're putting too much stuff on your plate. It's Something's got to give. And my expectation now is that one of these days, something's going to come out and it's going to suck. And that'll be, and that's not, I'm not saying that's going to be a death knell for the MCU. You're but like, that's gonna how, be- how good are we really expecting Thor Love and Thunder to be? You're- what? What ground are they treading that Thor has not already tread? So, so is that essentially going to be the jump the shark moment for the Marvel Cinematic Universe? And after that, the quality they're is gonna, continue they're to gonna decline. Jump, they're gonna jump the shark at some point. It's gonna. It hasn't happened yet. But what? Taika Waititi making an eighties themed rock and roll uh, space romp, uh, as cool as seeing Natalie Portman as Thor is gonna be. I mean. How, how, awesome. good, how good is uh, Chris Hemsworth cutting shit in half with his axe, but it's also a guitar? Like, where's the line? Like, hey, they made WandaVision oh, work. And I mean, it started, yeah. as, it started as a 1950s sitcom. Um, so, maybe, you know, maybe they've already, maybe they've just, maybe they've just desensitized us to this shit. You I know, know what? I'm going to say fancy ghosts. Uh, and if you've seen the Saturday Night Live uh, sketch about Marvel movies, they do this commercial about you take the most unexpected losers ever and you put them in a movie uh, directed by James Gunn. Suddenly you have Marvel gold. Marvel can't do anything wrong. And it's just like Marvel literally just took the first few words that they flipped randomly through a dictionary. And now they're bringing us bus people. And this is a bunch of random people off a bus just walking yeah. down the same Guardians of the Galaxy 
uh, things. No, like, and then after at the end, it's fancy ghosts, and it's just people with like, like uh, sheets over them, and like canes and top hats, and they're literally just fancy ghosts. They're just walking down that same hall, and it's just like Marvel I mean, can't do that's... wrong. Yeah, I think that was kind of my point. The fan expectations for Marvel is that it's going to be good compared to something like Star Wars, where now we're kind of on the fence. We don't know necessarily how good it's going to be, though with the Mandalorian and and now I think they're in a better place. But yeah, I think people just assume, OK, there's another Marvel thing coming out. This is going to rock. And I think that's that's probably a core um, expectation. Yeah. Good on Marvel. Yeah, I'm not, yeah. I'm, not oh, yeah. I'm not expecting everything that comes out to be like they strike stellar beautiful goals yeah well not everything's uh, going to be end game or infinity War. but like not everything's going to be end game or infinity war but like for me i'm not i'm not really i'm gonna go see it i'm not i'm not saying oh just like because you people say things and then the the cynics will say whoa does that mean you're not gonna see it of course i'm gonna fucking see it in the theaters i'm gonna see it the first day i can see it like but spider-man no way home perfect example uh i've spoken about it off the podcast more than i have on I think it's going to be cool to a point, right? Like they've made Spider-Man too big, right? Mysterio is an illusionist. He's not actually, he doesn't actually destroy shit. He's an illusionist who wants to like rob a bank, right? Like, yeah. oh, I want you, okay. You want to make yourself like seem as powerful enough to be the new hero. So you can make a bunch of money on like the repair efforts and just being a hero and whatever. Um, cool wow that doesn't really seem like a spidey problem that's like a you're trying to make spider-man like the tech hero if it's technology related spider-man's the guy to call right like no spider-man's the guy to call if like queens if like the the pizza delivery guy keeps running over tire over like nails in the street and the nails are being set by like set up by like some like low-level here street crime criminal called the pizza bandit I think others, if there's anyone, like, that's really what Spidey does, right? The biggest shit he gets, and as soon as there's too many heroes, the Sinister Six, he gets fucking murdered, and then Miles Morales has to take over Spider-Man. Like, these big-ass threats don't really fit with my idea of Spider-Man. I'm going to go into No Way Home thinking it's bad. My expectations for that movie are extremely low. Really? I I have expectations. Are extremely high rather i expect it to like it's got to be good because like i want the movie to be focused on like him in new york focusing on trying to not be a, uh like found out anymore or or like trying to dissuade or he's success- successfully dissuades people that he's spider-man um and he spends the rest of the movie like trying to do some other shit but if they do this whole like alter uh sorry multiverse thing that i sort of think they're going to do or i've thought they're going to do for a while i think it's going to be wow so spider-man is a big a big time hero in this iteration but he's not he's the blue collar he's so marketable and it's, he's it's such not a, a legacy it's not about i'm not talking about marketability i'm talking for i'm talking about i'm just talking about my personal feelings okay and personally spider-man sings as the blue collar hero Specifically, mm. blue collar hero, not low level, not street level. He's a guy from Queens who's uh, who lives paycheck to paycheck. Um, whose like guardians were only able to stay on the feet because they were a dual income household, right? His parents or Ben is isn't that educated. Neither is May. 
his parents were, but he didn't know anything about them. Uh, you know, Spidey was a guy, even though he lived in Queens and Brooklyn or New York or whatever you want. Yeah, Queens and New York. He was a guy who spoke to like middle America, even though yeah. he lived in the big city because he lived on its edges. He could only, it, the, the metaphor is he could only enter the skies. He only had reason to go into downtown when he was saving people, when he was dressed differently, when he wasn't Peter Parker, when he was the hero. He was only able to meet the the the, the wealthy Harry Osborne or the um, the the very the cool and cute Mary Jane or any of his other friends because he was smart enough and pulled him, and like, I hate saying this, pulled himself up by his bootstraps and got into like the fancy tech school or the fancy school for gifted people. Uh and that's when, what Spider-Man sings, making him this big hero. My expectation is that the, something will have to break when it's a hero like that. With a hero like Thor, Love and Thunder may be fucking an, a high-octane thrill ride that's crazy, but it's Thor, right? And it's Taika. I'm going in expecting and hoping for some crazy shit. Hi, my name's Cog. I'm Cog. I'm made of rooks. Like, peak what I was expecting, phenomenal. Yeah. As someone who, like, was exposed to Taika early on, watching like uh uh into the in the shadow which was what was that vampire movie called what we do in the shadows from the shadows no, it's what we into do in the shadows. shadows what we do in the shadows yeah who watched that with like my with, like my new zealand uh uh friends my friends from new zealand um and then like for ragnarok is a phenomenal film and i i've i can watch that movie like endlessly because uh it's you're getting what you're hoping for you know, and it's fun and joyous. It's a little dark at times. They get into some stuff with Hulk and Bruce, but for the most part, it's a it's a fun, it's a popcorn flick that has endless rewatchability. I can't rewatch Far From Home. I can't rewatch Homecoming. Not really. If Homecoming has too much. I've rewatched Homecoming a bunch of times. Homecoming for me has too much Tony in it. It's like it's not. A, it's a. It's like a, it's Iron Man three point five. It's not a Spider Man movie. No. He cameoed. You're framing Spidey as a hero who is born from the mind of of, of Iron Man. That's really what you're doing. And Spider Man, very uniquely, unlike uh, developed in on in his, on his own. That's why he's the blue collar guerrilla scientist superhero. And I'm no way home though. I'm not expecting that. I would want it, but my expectations are not to see it. Mm. I mean, but that the, that treatment of Spider-Man could be uh, just the result of the way they were forced to bring him in. I mean, you know, they only had the rights to to bring Spider-Man in, you know, after they negotiated it with Sony, right? So, I mean, I think it might actually be indicative of problems that you may find with how they bring in mutants because they had to wait so long uh -huh. to bring them in. It it might not, you know, be exactly the way you know people expect or would they want. Do all they do own the X-Men and the Fantastic Four now. That's not Right, like no, but I meant, but they had to wait so long, and now you've already got this, you know, universe that you've created. You might have to, you got to kind of figure out a way to bring them in that might not that's be to my, great. I think that's to my point. If they make the X-Men movies, say the, they say the first X-Men movie, the mutant movie they make, or X-Men movie, is like Logan the first mutant or something. Yeah. And they talk about how Logan is the first mutant. They don't get, they stay away from Apocalypse and like, but like Logan represents. How dare you? Rep, Logan rep. Well, Logan represents the, uh, the the like the new age of mutants of of like the the rise of Homo Superior. Um, what is like is the expectation then like 
uh, a year and a half later for him to appear in the next Avengers movie as an Avenger? Or are they going to take the dive and say, it's all one universe, but the X-Men have their own problems. So they mm -hmm. can't be like, like uh, Wolverine and, um, you know, Wolverine's really the only one of the X-Men who's often in an Avenger. Um, is Wolverine going to be in every Avengers movie now? If he is, he are they doing are they doing that, or is he going to be an X Men? Hope not. There's no know. way. There's no way that Wolverine doesn't appear in an Avengers movie. No, I'm not saying he doesn't appear. I'm saying, but is he just an Avenger now? Is oh, that what's happening? No, no, I think I, he'll I, stay I, an X Men. No, I think the X Men will have their own problems that they have to encounter. But again, it's going to be part of that interconnected world, and I'm sure they're going to also deal with other things. I don't know. I guess my like Galactus. Yeah, yes. but like to my point, like when when you know when I'm reading Dead Man Logan and De and like Logan is like beating up some of the hand like uh, Harlem. Uh, he see like Luke Cage comes along. It's not Iron Man in Avengers coming down from Avengers Tower. I think fan expectations are double edged sword in that they. They they left the fan service in there, uh, but now it's finding the right balance of fan service. And for some, any fan service is going to be too much. For others, it's not going to be enough. And I think the, uh, I, yeah, I think the 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 core of connectivity in superhero movies in this universe creating um, could end up being its own, it, the, the double-edged sword that Marvel falls on. I'm gonna, I'm gonna echo what Kai says. I think, yeah, interconnectivity uh, is, a, is a major expectation of fans when it comes to Marvel. Um, certainly, you know, the post-credits, the mid-credits scene, although I say that's an expectation of just fans in general, not necessarily Marvel fans. And it's, it's that kind of, interconnectivity that looks to the future and shows you what's coming next. And also the expectation that generally it's going to be good. Now, I think like you've raised some very interesting points, Sam, and they may reach a point where it's not. And, and that expectation changes, but so far, at least I uh, go into Marvel shows, Marvel movies, expecting that something exciting and is going to happen and that it's going to be an enjoyable experience, which is something that I can't necessarily say for other other movies or other universes but when it comes to marvel mm -hmm. i i expect that i'm going to come out feeling like i i i i saw something really uh good i'm, I'm inclined to agree with that uh they haven't I, for all my things i'm not going to say that far from home wasn't a good movie i'm not going to say that homecoming wasn't a good movie or my cup of tea for what i was hoping for when it came to a hero like spider-man um there's few movies in the whole thing that you can say were just ah, it was bad. You can say I can say I didn't enjoy it, but I can see why people enjoyed it. Uh, mm -hmm. If it's like something where it's tonally different, or it's not really what I was expecting in terms of its layout, you know, Captain Marvel belonged in Phase One. It feels like a Phase One movie. Yeah, it's not though. Yeah. Uh, if I could, I'd watch. I would. I the, like the the chronological order of Marvel movies is the way to watch them, yeah. in all honesty. Mm -hmm. uh, and 
I, I just I'm of the same mind as Matt and Kai to a degree, even though I we have different feelings on Tom Holland as Spider-Man. And even uh, when something hasn't been that great, like Iron Man 3, I've never I've never walked away from it thinking, well, that was absolute trash. I kind of hate Tony Stark now. Um <laughs> which uh you know, is yeah. is is yeah. to achieve when you make 19 movies, or sorry, it was it was 22, 23 movies in the Infinity Saga, right? However many it was, and um, they always kept my interest, and I always wanted to see the next thing. You've been listening to the Harmonica Brothers Variety Show. Uh, we'll be back uh, next week with a new episode. Bye, guys. Thanks for joining us. <laughs>